Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rappé. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, I think we might have our own personal hell unfold this week. I'm really hoping it doesn't happen, but it's not looking too good because since Villanova lost, Creighton took a L as well. Not only was that like a missed opportunity for the Cats to just kind of stay in the hunt or stay in contention for regular season title, but now it looks like Seton Hall's in the driver's seat. And not only that, they can clinch it this Wednesday against us, the Villanova Wildcats. No. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I no, can't. No. I can't. Please. Please. <laughs> this, is, um, this is hell on earth. It's uh, it's getting there. I've kind of had that thought in the back of my mind all year. What if we actually do have this changing of the guard moment? And uh, it looks like we might have it. It looks like it's going to come down to Wednesday's matchup against Seton Hall. And hopefully, hopefully, we don't get a pitiful performance like we did on Saturday. And we'll be able to go into the rock and we'll be able to put that on hold. But uh, why? Why, SpongeBob, why? Why do we have to be year right now it was a real bummer to lose to Providence but then when you saw the next day last night or yesterday afternoon I should say that Creighton was just getting destroyed by St. John's just you know they're they're hot they're coming in firing they're beating all these big teams this and that and then St. John's caught them sleeping at Carnesec Arena killed them by 20 you're sitting there thinking oh no we really missed a big opportunity here to stay in the race now Villanova has to win out if they want any chance for that one seed or that regular season title. And then what's the rest of the situation looking like, Chris? What's the, what's the scenario here? I think the easiest route, now I, I could be wrong, but I think the easiest route that I've played out is that C- Villanova wins out. So that would be wins over Seton Hall and Georgetown. Then Seton Hall loses out. And they have a tough schedule this week. They do have Villanova at home and then at Creighton. So they would have to lose out. So then you would have identical conference records. Then Creighton obviously would have that win against Seton Hall, but they do have a game midweek against Georgetown. So if they do lose to Georgetown at home, which is unlikely, but they did just lose to St. John, so who the heck knows, then that would cause a Villanova-Seton Hall tie. And then the tiebreaker, wouldn't it go to record versus Creighton? And then Villanova would be 1-1 one and, one and Seton Hall would be 0-2. Oh and, and therefore, Villanova would therefore win the Big East. But I think that's the simplest route. I don't know about Creighton's tiebreakers if Creighton would get involved in tie Villanova, but... Uh, that's that's how I kind of like it. That would be the easiest way to isolate it, I would say. So basically, for the second year in a row, we're going to need Georgetown to pull some strings for us so we can win the regular season title, which is very strange that we're going to be going to our enemy here for some help. Kind of sucks you got to do that, but hopefully they're able to pull it off, and hopefully they do get their win against Creighton and not against Villanova to end the season. Careful that- what you wish for, almost. Exactly. That was the thing, too. Like, I remember last year we were thinking, oh, Marquette's got it. They're going to run away with it. Missed their chance, this and that. And then before you know it, Georgetown just steps up big to the plate and then helps us steal or snatch back the one seed and the regular season title. So we're going to need something similar here. We're going to need Georgetown to drink their Michael Jordan special stuff. We're going to need them to eat their Wheaties. We're going to need them to show up, play, and hopefully, hopefully somebody gets a beat. Seton Hall. But I will say this. If Seton Hall does beat us at the Rock, you already know. There's going to be the biggest celebration of celebrations to win that regular season title. Yeah, they'll raise a banner, not for winning the Big East Championship, regular season championship, but they'll raise a banner for saying, swept Villanova on March 5th, 2020, to win Big East regular season. And it'll be all happy day (laughs) for them. They're going to bring out the rings already, right then and there. Yeah, I (laughs) think... Gatorade baths, 
got the whole thing going for them. That's fine. You know what? Let them have their fun. And then when Villanova Scene Hall is the Big East final matchup and it's the third time they meet each other, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know if I want to sit through another Scene Hall loss, Chris, especially when the first one was so attainable. We were right there the whole time. We just couldn't get over the hump and we couldn't get over that five to seven point deficit and then Scene Hall kind of pulled away or got the separation it needed. Mm-hmm. This Providence game, man. It was it was tough to swallow and it was tough to take, but it was one of those that when you saw what happened to Creighton the next day, oh man, the missed opportunities, the missed opportunities. Yeah, it definitely compounds it. That's for sure. I forget we had a loss similar to this earlier in the year where it was like, oh wow, complete missed opportunity. I think it was a loss to Creighton where it was just a complete missed opportunity because Seton Hall had a bad week. But and, and you know they did it to themselves. No one could hit a freaking shot. Can someone just go out there and hit an effing shot? I mean, was it that was it that hard? I know everyone. I know people are prone to bad games, and I understand Sadiq Bay was in foul trouble. I get it. That's fine. But you should still go out there and be able to hit a freaking three, five of thirty from beyond the arc. Come on. Like I understand we had a string of games where it was kind of laughable. Like you had the DePaul game where every shot they took was you were laughing because you knew it was going in, and then the beginning of the past few games, uh, especially against St. John's this past week, like it felt like they were hitting everything. But, like, come on, <laughs> 5 of 30? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was brutal to watch them be cold because that was the reason why they just fell so behind. But not only that, I thought the defense was great. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, well, the defense was great for everybody except for one guy, Luane <laughs> Pipkins, who just licensed and diced his way inside, drained some threes, was just a quick guard, and he got a game-high 27 points, 7 to 13 shooting. Four of eight from deep. And I want to say this was the most he scored this year. I could be wrong, but that was right. tough. That was tough. It was. And, like, Pipkins, like, obviously he had a great game. But, I, like, as a whole, the defense was great, like you said. Like, it was – I had no problem. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they rebounded better. Yeah, yes. they rebounded better. They didn't let David Duke kill him on the boards or on the scoreboard. Same with Nate Watson. Nate Watson was a non-factor. Nate Alpha Watson Diallo – was once yeah. again nowhere to be found. But lost in the milk carton. Have you seen him? <laughs> Where is he? And then, of course, Luane Pipkins is like, oh, yeah, I'm probably yeah, like fourth or fifth on your scouting report, but uh, this is my time to shine. He took full advantage on, on the court. I mean, he had a couple of shots late. He had like that turnaround shot to basically be a dagger toward the end of the game on the baseline. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> shots. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. But yeah, Watson did nothing. Reeves did nothing. Duke did nothing. Diallo had an eye injury toward the end, so like he was absolutely useless. Um, no fault to, on his own, but like he didn't. He wasn't doing good before that. Malik White did pretty well. He also dropped fifteen. Yeah. But he but was he nice hit, off the bench. He was nice. He was nice. He was. He was nice. Uh, he did miss a couple of key free throws towards the end too. That kind of gave Villanova a shot. And you know, with all that being said, with all the horrific shooting and all that, and Terrible offense. They still had a great shot to win it at the end. And you had a comedy of errors toward the end, I felt like. You had Colin fouling Pipkins in the backcourt after cutting the lead to five, which was the lowest deficit for like the, for, since the first half, which I thought was just incredibly stupid. You had uh, Colin also yeeted the ball over Justin Moore's head for a backcourt violation. There was another turnover in there. I think it was a pass underneath to Jerry and it went off his foot or something like that. Ah, there were so many opportunities. And then also Samuels at the end missing two key free throws. And that was another thing. They couldn't even hit from the free throw line either. Nine of 18. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> like, did they, did they put 
like a, a double rim on on the baskets. Yeah, they yeah they put on they put on some brand new titanium triple rims or something for the Villanova <laughs> baskets because those I could not I could not get it. There were so many rim outs. It was just so it was so frustrating. Oh, it was brutal, brutal. And then like Samuel's Samuel's missing the free throw at the end. That was just a killer. Uh, like you knew once that happened, it was over. Justin Moore didn't even hit anything. Justin Moore couldn't hit anything to save his life after he had a pretty good back-to-back performances. JRE was probably the one saving Greece offensively. I thought he hit a he hit a big time three uh, in the last like five minutes uh, to kind of cut the lead to. T- I think it was to cut the lead to two. Uh, he was great on the boards. Got got eleven boards for them offensively. And like yeah, I understand. Sadiq Bay got fouled out like pretty early on a pretty horrific call. The offense was bad before that, so it's not like it was just like the offense with the crap after he left. It was bad with him on that, so I can't really fault the foul out for it. Cole Swider hasn't hit a shot since December, so I can't even begin to use him as like a potential scoring threat. So it was just, I was just, oh, so awful. Bad turnovers, bad like communication offensively. Oh, it's just so awful, awful. Yeah, it was tough. Once Providence took that 30-18 to 18 lead at the half, I started getting a lot of texts from my Providence friends, especially with my, my one good homie. He was he was talking smack at half, and I'm, I'm watching it up at the Times Union Center, and I'm just like, oh, God, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> and then in the second half, I you know, I give Villanova credit for fighting back. There were a number of times that they were able to cut it down to a one-basket game. But once they – as soon as they got close, Providence was like, uh, no. It was like whack-a-mole. You just smack them right back down as soon as they yep. stand back up. It was tough. Once again, another one of those games where they just couldn't get the big shot to get over the hump. And unfortunately, at the end there, it was like shot for shot or every big Villanova shot was answered back with a Providence series. And unfortunately, Villanova lost 58-54. to uh, We already went over the Providence side of the box score, but – Colin Gillespie led Nova with 13 points, five rebounds. Sadiq Bey had 11 points on four of 10 shooting. He was really held in check pretty much for most of the game until he fell out. And then Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, I know you mentioned him. I felt like he should have been involved more. I don't know. I don't want to say he was amazing on offense, but I would say that he should have had the ball more. He should have had more touches. And not only that, there were certain times where I felt like his decision-making, he, needed, he just needed to make one. Uh, but he had 10 points and 11 rebounds, and you can't fault him for that, especially after being a no-show against Providence last time and, and letting Nate Watson to beat him up on the boards. He really did a much better job on the glass. Villanova did as well. They didn't really get destroyed on rebounding, only lo- only trailing by one, 38-37, to 37, but it was a much better margin. Not only that, they gave up way fewer offensive rebounds this time, and, and they only gave up four second-chance points, so you really can't complain about the defensive or rebounding efforts. It was just unfortunate because, honestly, at the end of the day, whatever you blame it on, the ball didn't go through the hoop, and guys were in foul trouble. And, unfortunately, on the bench, you don't really have, as we said before, not really that offensive spark. Sure, you can say Cole Swider, but if he's not cooking, no. No, he, oh, if he's he not cooking, it's cold in the kitchen. No, he hasn't been cooking since, like I said, December. Like I, I can't name one time he's hit like a big three. There were so many. He had, and he had plenty of opportunities the other day to hit a big three, and he just couldn't. Even and he went an over from the free throw line too. I understand like they, they've had some good games, and I understand that this team is going to have a bad day once every once in a while. But like it's toward the end of the season, you're giving up. You're having a great defensive stand all game, and you, you couldn't put up more than 54? I mean, come on. Like, someone's got to step up and hit a shot. And and JRE did. He he had two big-time threes. He had a nice putback jam. And like you said, I, I thought he should have gotten a lot more touches. And Colin did everything he could to kind of get the team back into it. I thought he had a, a couple of nice possessions where he was able to force a shot up and was able to make it. But 
and Jerry's got to get more involved. I mean, you got to ride the hot hand in a game like this. You can't keep going back to the same crap. All I got to say is I, I do give Colin Gillespie credit because I know he was questionable going in with a thigh bone bruise. Can you just imagine if he didn't play? Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Well, yeah. It, it, oh, no, <coughs> right. Uh, it would have been very problematic. This game probably, probably would have had 40 points. <laughs> the way this game was going to go. I guess that might explain his uh, shooting woes for the past few games, this, this injury. But uh, yeah, The guy's playing, you know, whether it's broken nose, whatever. This guy's playing with everything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's toughness. That's the uh, silly toughness that everybody loves to talk about. But uh, this was a missed opportunity at the end of the day. Should have beaten the crap out of them. You lose by four at home. Um, and, you know, they got off to a slow start, like you said. And, but they were able to retake the lead. They were up 16-14 or something like that after they were down 14-2. to two. <laughs> And then they didn't score. They scored two points the rest of the half. And Providence was up 30-18 to 18 before, uh, before you knew it. So it just horrific performance offensively, good performance defensively. The Wayne Pipkins just ended their any hopes at potentially getting the Big East title. But I guess, you know, regroup. Hopefully you can beat Seton Hall this coming Wednesday and everything will be okay, I guess. Yeah, that was just a tough one to stomach. I mean, Villanova's lost a regular season title before. That's nothing new. All I'm saying is, please, I don't want to watch Wednesday and then watch the extravaganza that takes place afterwards if Seton Hall is able to clinch it at the Rock. I just don't want to sit there and watch that. I'll watch anything else, just not that, please. I don't want, I don't want to tune in. So I, I'm hoping Villanova's able to regroup. It's kind of a tough task because, you know, there is Providence. And then there's Seton Hall. Two totally different wavelengths. But I guess on the bright side, I guess you could say that Jay Wright wants uh, Ed Cooley in the NCAA tournament this year. Another charitable loss, hopefully. Hopefully it pans oh, out. You took my silver lining. I was going to yeah, say. It's, <laughs> it's always the silver lining. We're here to just give out. You know, it's like Dave Servers, man. We're here to give out uh, wins. We're here to give out. We're here to help the uh, less fortunate Big East teams. That's why, that's why we're here. It's why we're here. Yeah, this definitely got him into it. Uh, hopefully it get no longer a last four in type deal. Maybe they avoid that and they can get the one of the last four buys. But, yeah, it looks like Providence should be making it. And uh, that puts uh, the Big East at six, seven teams now. So potentially making the tournament. That's uh, pretty good. good. Good job on Villanova. Helping the less fortune. But it also wasn't completely terrible. I do got to give my coaching credit to Ed Cooley. I thought he did a fantastic job, particularly defensively and setting up for Villanova. And not just that, paying the guys at the Wells Fargo Center to put in uh, triple rims, quad rims, <laughs> ultra titanium, bouncy balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they knew. They, they were like, okay, well, as long as we keep this under 60, we'll be fine. So, <laughs> uh, but yes, it was a masterclass coaching performance by Corey. I think that we should really harp on that too. I know I'm getting frustrated at the fact this team couldn't hit a shot and they, they were open. I'm not saying that everything was closely get guarded, but Providence did have a good game plan. They switched up the defenses a lot, used Villanova offensively. Yeah, they exploited and every matchup, it felt they like. Did. They did. They did everything in their power, and you know maybe Watson didn't have the best game, but he had plenty of opportunities. And Malik White coming off the bench was big time for them. So yeah, master class performance by Cooley, and that's just who he is. He gets the most out of the least, I feel like, out of all the coaches in the Big East. Oh, I don't know about that. Did you see Jay Wright? <sighs> no, you're right, right. But all right, not name Jay Wright. Did you see Chris Mullen? 
three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, this year, fine. This year. <sighs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't think. I don't think there was anything that good with uh, Chris Wallen. <laughs> well, un- until like February last year, I think we were. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at this point of the year, Chris, who do you have as Biggie's coach of the year? Since we're we're talking coaches here. Um. Well, who I have and who the Big East Conference is going to pick are two different things. It's oh, so you're saying they're going to pick Jay Wright again? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he'll get the split and then he'll piss everybody off. Um, I, if Seen Hall wins the Big East this week, which is very likely, uh, I think they they get it. Uh, Willard gets it. If, uh, yeah, I think if, he finally gets the one that was owed to him last year. If they don't, and I, let's just say Creighton creeps up top, and like Crane ends up winning out this week, and Seton Hall takes two L's this week. I think maybe they'll give it, maybe split it between McDermott and, and Willard, or maybe just give it to McDermott outright. Um, but let's just say each team kind of goes by the wayside. I don't know, like maybe one in one weeks for everybody. Maybe Cooley gets it. But if I had to take a guess, my top three would be Willard, McDermott, Cooley, and uh, depending on who how the teams finish up, I think will determine who ends up winning it. What about you? I'm going with uh, Greggy. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Daddy McDermott. McDermott. Mm-hmm. Especially because the, the coaches pool, they were sleeping on him earlier in the year. So, And to predict them to finish seventh or whatever it was, seventh or eighth, I think it was seventh, I thought was a total injustice. But here we are. Crane's looking hot. I mean, granted that St. John's loss does not help right now, especially if we're talking recency bias. But overall, if you look at the overall body of work, where they were predicted to be, oh, that that's just – that's impressive. That's impressive. Versus Seton Hall, which everyone thought was going to be good and this and that. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. It's just that the way – Oh, yeah. No, yeah. If, they, yeah. if they win the regular season title, and especially considering how they – I felt at least – well, it should have probably taken it last year. They're going to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to give it to him. You know, he did do a fantastic job. You know, no, he's still it, deserved yeah. it. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we kind of own. Yeah, but yeah. It's like it's like the added like sprinkles on top. Yeah. 100%. Speaking of which, we now have a huge game on Wednesday. To Seen Hall fans, this was definitely – if this wasn't already on the top of their list, with a chance to clinch the Big East regular season title, and if that were to happen – you're gonna we're gonna have to sit through like two weeks of changing of the guard story narratives from the media and this and that. Villanova's got a big one against Seton Hall on a Wednesday. Did you decide if you wanted to go or not? Um now I'm not. <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> the, the potential downfall is not worth the potential <laughs> win. Um uh, just trying to hedge my bets here. I, just in case they do lose, uh, I can just turn the TV off and walk away. <laughs> if they do lose, I got to deal with um, – Yeah, the, the worst place to be. Worst place to be is uh, Villanova loss at Seton Hall. <laughs> yeah. Or around yeah. Seton Hall fans, I should say. It is. And uh, I really don't want to go to Prudential Center for the first time. In two- well, I went last year, but – I haven't been to a Devils game in a while, and I really don't want to keep going to an arena where I just keep seeing my team lose. And the Devils are really good at that. But uh, to see Villanova lose there too in this fashion would not be uh, would not be great. And I don't want to really ruin my Prudential Center experiences. So, <laughs> um, well, we might just watch this from the couch. I've only been at the Rock one time for a Nova Seton Hall game, and all I got to say is it was uh, less than pleasurable. Yeah, I 
that story still amazes me. Uh, there were a lot of a lot of things to unpack with that story. Mm-hmm. But we know the deal with Seton Hall. We know there are guys. We know Miles Powell, obviously. Chris's favorite. Chris, would you say your favorite? Oh, yeah. Top five player of all time. Yeah, he's right behind uh, Angel Delgado, Kadeen Carrington, <laughs> Isaiah Whitehead. That's like my Mount Rushmore, a favorite, a favorite uh, <laughs> Yeah, you you can't stand him. You can't stand him. But I I'm not gonna no. lie. I like I like Miles Powell. I'm not gonna lie. I love. I, him. I know you love him. I know you love him. And you know, so much swagger. So much swagger. It's so amazing. And he comes uh, up big time. Uh, you see, that's where we disagree. I, I happen to disagree on the big time part. But oh, you'll see on Wednesday. Had, you'll see on Wednesday. Chance, he had a chance to win the Big East tournament last year. What do you do? What do you do? I don't mind him blowing it for Nova. I don't mind him blowing up but, for Nova. But he doesn't come up big time then. Oh, but he did. Just in every other game but that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's he's a very good player. I just I like to just antagonize you. Let's dive into this. What do you have to say about Miles Powell? There's nothing much you know, it's it's pretty much all out there. Scoring machine, this and that, game changer. He's averaging over 21.5 points per game. I'm totally expecting him to have, honestly, a much better game than he did last time. Last time out, while he did have a team-high 19 points for the Pirates, if you guys remember, he was in foul trouble for most of it. And he was actually not the reason why Villanova fell. It was actually Sanjo Mabukelashvili, who, in Miles Powell's absence, as he sat on the bench for most of the second half, was like, Time for me to shine. That guy had 12 of his 17 points in the second half. Quincy McKnight also had a very big second half for Seton Hall. And same with Jared Roden and Shavar Reynolds off the bench. But it was one of those where Villanova, kind of like the Providence game, had its opportunities, just couldn't get it over the hump. And then when Miles Powell was on the bench and he's sitting out with fouls, you got to capitalize. You got to capitalize. Unfortunately, Mamu was able to hold off Villanova and was like, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm good, too. I, I, I play basketball. I'm good. I don't know what about me. And then had a nice 12-point second half. He was making threes. He was scoring inside, grabbing boards. He had an amazing second half while Powell was out. It was a tough game. But with Mamu, he can stretch to the floor. He's a big man. He can grab boards. He can score inside. He was out for a little bit with injury, but he seems to be playing well ever since he came back. Quincy McKnight, he's a point guard. Looked like it was going to be Miles Kale in terms of who was going to take the lead guard position or point guard position. But it ended up being Quincy McKnight. He's been solid this year, too. He's stepped up his play. Jared Roden, he can grab boards. He's a nice scoring punch, too. They also have great height. I mean, between Mamu, Romaru Gill, Ike Obiagu, this is a pretty big team. Pretty big team. I'm just yeah. hoping that Villanova does not let this one slip away, unlike last time. Yeah, don't let it slip away quick. If they replicate the beginning of the Providence game start or the scene Hall game start when they were down 10 points before the word go, they're not coming back from that. Not in this environment, not with what's on the line. They will be absolutely screwed. And if they do come back, well, I'll tip my cap and be like, oh my God, this team's just pulled a freaking miracle. They got to get out to an early lead, keep the crowd out of it. Or at least try to keep the crowd out of it. You got to hit your outside shots. That's why they lost last time against Seton Hall. Like you said, with the height, everything's got to come from the outside, and you're not going to really get much inside. So you got to hit your outside shots, and hopefully, you don't replicate the Brahmins' performance where you shoot five of thirty from beyond the arc. Remember last time out, Sadiq Bay did everything in his power to keep Villanova in it. Dropped twenty-two, four or six from deep. Colin Gillespie was uh, not great in that game, so hopefully, he can rebound from that 
a poor performance. And I think at Seton Hall last year, I think he had a pretty good game, if I remember correctly. Hit a couple of big-time threes. Hopefully big game Jermaine can step up and lift his name, live up to his name. This is going to be a tough one. I don't see them winning it. I, I hate to say it. I think that changing in the guard moment and those narratives are going to happen. But if they are going to win it, my guy to step up and to hit some shots and to play like a big boy is Jeremiah Robinson. You got to step up here. He went 4-15 last time out against Seton Hall, and a lot of those shots were mid-range, open shots that he just could not hit, and from deep as well. If he can hit those shots, you're going to be able to stretch the floor and hopefully get rid of that huge size advantage that Seton Hall has. He also had a great game against Providence, and I think if he can just replicate it and build on that, we can really start get going here, and we can maybe see him crack a little bit of his poten- of his full potential late in his freshman year. He needs to step up in this game, and if Villanova has any opportunity to win this, yeah, this is looking like a tough one for the Cats. Ken Palm has Villanova as a thirty-five percent chance to win. Whoa, Although, yeah, thirty-five. It dropped. It dropped a little bit, but he's predicting it that it'll only be a seventy-two to sixty-eight game, so a four-point margin. So it's going to be close, and that's pretty much what I expect, Chris. What my heart and what my brain are saying are two totally different things. But I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to roll with my heart here, and I'm going to hope that Villanova wins. Because if it does not, oh, man, then then the heart and the brain will be shut down, and that's the last thing I need to see. That's the last, <laughs> thing, I, that's the last thing I need on a Wednesday night to get over hump day. Here I am, like, oh, this big game tonight. Hopefully we come out with this dub. And then if we were to just lose, uh, I'd be so sad for the Georgetown game. I, get it I, over with. <laughs> yeah, it's just like just bring me the Big East tournament already. Yeah, just fast forward, fast forward to next week, please. <laughs> uh, I would feel the same way, man. I, I would feel the same way. Uh, but uh, like I said earlier, uh, I'm gonna go with mind over heart here, and I say Villanova loses this one. Just, just make it competitive. That's all I ask. Don't get blown out. Yo, Sadiq Bay is about to go off. I hope so. I hope so. Is your, is your player to? To watch oh, out. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. After not doing so much against Providence, being limited with foul trouble, this and that, and not hitting his shots, I think he's going to bounce back, have a much bigger game, kill the Pirates, and hopefully – oh, God. It's just like – it's just so – like, I feel like I'm saying this, but I'm just like, this is going to be bad on Wednesday, isn't it? I'm talking into the mic. I'm like, am I just lying to everybody right now? Am I lying to myself also? Like, oh. I, th- I think you are. <laughs> You're just trying to will it like, into existence at this point. I think it, I think it will be a close game. It's just I, I don't see how this – as we've talked about before, Seen Hall is a team – as you put it, Chris, they're a team they're like a kid on a sugar rush. When they're hot, they stay hot. And then when they're cold, they're going to abandon ship. Unfortunately, this is one of those times where they, I think they can smell the blood in the water yeah. and they're just going to have to finish for the job. Mm-hmm. And y- y- they already go up for us. Like, that's not that's not needed. Like, they don't need any extra motivation to go up against Villanova. But when you have a chance to clinch the regular season title for the first time since conference realignment, it, it just feels like all the stars are aligning for them this year. I mean, you have Miles Powell. He's having a National Player of the Year contender type of performance. They're on top of the Big E's for the first time in years. It just looks like it's their season for now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we still have games to play in March, and if you ask me, uh, people ask me, oh, do you think I can go to the Final Four? Huh. Uh, LOL. No. 
But I just don't want to say it. Like, I like getting swept by a scene hall. No, I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like the words. I don't like the sound of it. Oh no, I just can't, Chris. I can't do it. But just think, Eugene. How great of a story would it be if Villanova were to go in there and just kick the crap out of them? Not that it's going to happen, but oh no, I could see that happening in like the Big East tournament. You know, or third home, Madison Square Garden. So why not just take the? Well, I'm not saying go out and not try, but let's say they lose, and then you meet them again in the Big East tournament. You and you get the whole narrative. You can't beat a team three times in a season. Seton Hall be playing tight. They're the quote unquote favorites now. Be nice to play the underdog a little bit now. You think? Hopefully. Yes, the underdog role is nice, but lose the battle, win the war here. Yeah, lose the battle, win the war. But what if what if you don't even get to make it to the war, Chris? What if you don't even make it to the war? Well, you're right, Eugene, because uh, Seton Hall will lose to St. John's in the quarterfinals, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Actually, that's I fine. think they would get the Paul, right? They would they would get the Paul oh, if they if they were to be the one seed. Uh, oh wait, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Yeah, because you get the eight nine. They get the eight nine. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So we'll we'll be, oh, yeah, St. John's. <laughs> that would and that would be, how hilarious would that be? I mean, right, right. No, uh, that's not happening. But praying that they can go in there and just hopefully delay the inevitable. It feels like, <laughs> um, and hopefully they'd have to go on the road against Creighton. And maybe have to do that. Just go out there and and, and give it a game. That's all. Just don't get blown out because I feel like a, a, the blowout would be like a real. Then you can really lean into the changing of the guard moment. I feel like if it's like a close game, I feel like, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. If you can't make it to The Rock, which I only personally would be watching for the comfort of my own home. I went to The Rock one time, had a horrible time. It was Villanova Seton Hall. Actually, I've been to The Rock a couple of times, but only once for when it was Villanova Seton Hall. And I never wanted to do it ever again. No, you got to – because if they lose, if Villanova loses, you got to get out of there. I'm sure if they win, they're still going to be obnoxious. You, can't, you just can't be around them. can't be around Seton Hall fans. So, if you can't make it, it'll be on at 8.30. Tip-off is set for 8.30 at night on Wednesday. It'll be on FS1. I'll definitely be tuned in with a rosary, Bible, <laughs> Hail Mary full of grace, 10 times, Our Fathers, another 10 times, hoping that uh, Kong Gillespie's leg's okay, and hoping that he can have a big game. Same with Sadiq Bay, Jermaine Samuels, 8 of 8 on the floor. Cole Swider comes back, comes off the bench, drops 24 points. Uh, at this point, I'm just wishing for everything to align. They're going to need it. It's not time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have there for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod. Shoot us a question, and we'll discuss it on the show. Chris, I actually have a question for you. This is actually something that I saw stumbling upon Twitter. I thought it was very interesting. It's pretty current. As we know right now, there's a lot of fear right now with the coronavirus, especially with this, with it being this disease that we don't really have a cure for yet or a vaccine. So there's lots of paranoia. There's lots of fear about it. And it's spread across many different countries. Started to get into the United States a little bit. In a few states, there are some cases. The NCPA, the National College Players Association, they released a statement and they're actually urging the NCAA to use caution and maybe even hold the NCAA tournament, hold March Madness without an audience or anything like that. So basically hold the whole NCAA tournament in empty arenas, empty stadiums, this and that. What they said is, quote, in the wake of emerging coronavirus pandemic, the NCAA and its colleges should take precautions to protect college athletes. 
They should also make public which actions will be taken and when. Precautions should include canceling all auxiliary events that put players in contact with crowds, such as meet and greet and press events. Athletic programs should also take every possible measure to sanitize buses and airplanes used to transport players. In regard to the NCAA's March Madness tournament and other athletic events, there should be a serious discussion about holding competitions without an audience present. I saw this article on Sports Illustrated. Chris, should the NCAA hold these tournaments, hold these postseason events without any crowds or people present? Uh, I think that's a little, uh, a little premature right now as we sit here on March 3rd. In the year of our Lord 2020, I think it's a. I don't think it's that bad yet in the United States. Anyway, I understand in Europe it's it's gotten pretty bad, uh, at least in Italy. Anyway, I know uh, Serie A had to postpone a bunch of matches and play a few matches, uh, basically in front of empty stadiums, and I guess that's kind of where this is coming from. But as we, as of right now, there's only been a handful of cases in the United States, and yes, we have witnessed a couple deaths as of now and that's very unfortunate but I don't think we're at the point yet where we need to be doing that if maybe in the next two weeks it does spread and you know every state in the union has got a few cases and and everyone's kind of freaking out I, I would understand it uh, I, but I, as of right now I don't think we're at that point so yeah, so far the article cited not only Serie A, as you pointed out, with four soccer games being held last weekend in Italy without any sort of fan presence, empty stadiums. The University of Miami, Ohio, they postponed a pair of basketball games due to potential coronavirus threats. And then Michigan Wolverines canceled its annual spring trip abroad because of the virus. You might have heard or saw that Villanova actually urged its study abroad students to come back, especially the ones from Italy because of how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm with you, Chris. I, I get being safe and this and that, but I think here in the United States, it's not as pressing of an issue yet. And also, I mean, come on, if the Olympics are still on and the Olympics said they're still going to be on, yeah. we got to do it. If the Olympics are going, we got to go. We got to yeah. do it. If the Olympics are on, then the NCAA tournament can definitely be on. And obviously, if there's ever a conglomerate of people or everyone, of uh, every background with every different type of exposure to different types of people. It's the Olympics. Uh, the NCAA tournament could, could rank up there, but it's, it's probably not at the forefront. So I, I, as of right now, I think we're fine. But uh, we, we, let's see how this develops out. I, also, I was also saying that like, I thought this was going to flo- uh, go into the bin of like swine flu, bird flu. Remember all those different types of viruses? Yeah, H1N1, swine flu, uh, yeah, lots of oh, bird H1 flu, H1 lots of things. Great one. Great one. Looking like it might surpass that, and I guess that's kind of what happens when you have enough of these type of things. You're eventually going to – it's going to hit, for lack of a better term. But uh, right now, we're okay. It's, it's very unfortunate that people are dying from this, and even though it does have a 2% kill rate, like it, it's still – that's still a lot. So hopefully we get this under control and we won't be fearing this anymore. What percent chance do you give the NCAA will actually do something like this? <sighs> right now, less than, less than one. If there is like a big outbreak in the next two weeks, I could definitely put it over 50%. I'm or at least some, get- some games anyway. 
I'm going to give it less than 1%, and the max ceiling will probably be 2%. First of all, the NCAA is not trying to miss out on money. If there's one thing that the NCAA loves, it's money. And if you can't have fans filling in an arena, where's the money? Where's the money? Then you have all these people making money off your sport from March Madness pools and bracket pools, and then the, and everyone else is making money than the NCAA, and everybody knows. That's Uncle NCAA true. hates that. They hate that. <laughs> not, about, not about to have that. It's like I Mr. Krabs. If- <laughs> it's like yeah yeah when the kid rides the uh the the ride and then he takes the, the coin out or that's yeah coin. yeah i, I kind of forgot about the ncaa's greed and how they don't probably care about people so yeah you're you're probably right on that i being a more humane being if, yeah if there were to be something <laughs> i personally don't think that it's going to be serious enough i mean i think we can go through the whole month without any hitches at least that's where it's looking at right now hopefully there's no major outbreak i pray to god not that'd be horrible but mm-hmm. i i think at, at this current state and if everything stays pretty much relatively how it is right now i think everything will be all systems go for the ncaa tournament i agree uh, I would understand if it like got to the point. Like, obviously, yeah, that's like that's fine. I, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, most of the games we watch from home anyway. So, right, <laughs> Villanova might be in Albany if they're in the East Region, which would be kind of cool. It's not that bad of a drive. Straight mm-hmm. up, eighty-seven. Weren't they there last year? No, oh, last year they were in Hartford. Oh, let me Hartford. tell you, I was just in Albany this past weekend. Fifty times better than XL Center in Hartford. I was actually impressed. I was expecting a dump similar to that. I thought it was actually a lot better. Very nice. Really, Times Union Center really living up. Uh, I heard that they got recent renovations, so that that made that made uh, a lot of sense. They said okay. that they didn't have Wi-Fi until this year. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. mean, XL Center they've had Wi-Fi, but it doesn't work. The second two reporters or fans try to connect to it, it shuts the whole thing down. Oof. Can't have that. Can't have Oof. that. And yeah. there's way more concessions than the XL Center. Not that that's saying much because the XL Center had nothing. <laughs> so not, it's really it's looking it pretty bad. good. Oh, it was, it was horrible at the XL Center. I was surprised. I was like, wow, this is really where UConn plays? Huh. Mm, no. It definitely no. seats a lot of people, but it could be better. It doesn't entertain a lot of people. No, no. And then you had people waiting at the door while they're cleaning and changing things. Uh, horrible. Ooh, not good. All right, now on to the people's questions. Mm-hmm. The first set is from Joe Wu Rachelski. Two questions, and we'll start with the first one. Number one, Brian Antoine, do you see him getting any playing time at this point, or is he shut down? Chris, I hate to say it because I was such a huge proponent of him. I loved his game in high school. I loved him on the AAU circuit. I really thought and hoped that he would be able to be an impact guy, even after with the whole surgery thing, shoulder injury. I thought that he'd be able to come back. They'd work him in a little bit more than they have shown, and he could actually be a potential guy because you know he's clearly athletic, clearly quick. But unfortunately, I think they're shutting him down. The minutes don't lie. The numbers don't lie. He's getting less and less to basically nothing as of recently. He did play a little bit of garbage time in that DePaul game, but other than that, it it looks like this is going to be a sit-out year for him. Kind of a bummer for someone who had NBA aspirations going into this year, but unfortunately, his defense doesn't seem there yet. Offensively, it seems like he's still trying to get the schemes down and all that. There were definitely some flashes here and there, but unfortunately, Jay Wright's not giving him the minutes or the opportunities. And I totally understand shutting him down. Hopefully, this means he'll come back big next year. Him and Eric Dixon, by the way. Don't forget right. him. Right, yeah. I mean, I know this isn't officially a redshirt year, but it's kind of a pseudo-redshirt year. And we all know what redshirt years do. 
But uh, yeah, I, I think he's kind of done. And it's it's different from like JQ's situation where it was like he wasn't playing and you kind of felt the need for JQ. Like here, you, you, you would love to have Antoine playing and it would definitely uh, diversify the minutes a bit. But with that injury, you knew that coming in, that was going to be a hindrance all year. And they kept saying, oh, well, you know, he'll be ready for December. He'll be ready for January. And you're like, nah, yeah, yeah you say that now. But th- this is a very devastating injury that takes a while to heal from and to get right and to get in the game shape takes a bit. So I, I have no problem with it, to be honest with you. It's definitely going to hurt, but it- he wasn't really contributing all that much anyway, despite the flashes, as you mentioned. So I-, I get it. And then the second question from Joe is, how far can this team go? I'm curious if you see them getting through the first weekend, especially if they have a poor shooting game in round two. Now, according to Joey Brackets, according to Joe Lunardi, he has Villanova in the South region. They'll be playing in Albany to start. First round matchup is number three Villanova, according to Joe Lunardi, versus number 14 Hofstra. So already he's already taking account into the story narratives, the adjustment, the adjusted S curve for story narratives. Yep, Jay Wright Hofstra narrative. Yep. Great. And then should Villanova advance, they'll play the winner of Arizona Rutgers, which both Ooh. very interesting. Ooh. Uh, yes. Uh, Arizona scares me a bit. Uh, Rutgers does not as much anymore. Rutgers would be fun, though, just because it's Rutgers. And, yeah, just because it's Rutgers. Yeah, and then it's New Jersey and whatever. But I guess in that scenario, in that little pod, Sweet 16 is very, very likely, I would say. No? Or yeah, yeah I would say that this ceiling, this team ceiling is definitely Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I actually do think that they have what it takes to get to the second weekend. Even with a poor shooting, I think they've shown that in some of these games where I know that the Providence game was definitely not the best example, but there has been games where they haven't scored the best, but they found ways to win mostly through their defense and some timely shots. Like, for example, the Kansas yeah. game. Look at yeah. the Kansas game. They did yep. not shoot the ball well, but they manned up on D. They stepped it up big time. They played like big boys on that end of the court. The shots didn't fall at a great rate by any means, but they got enough done and they got enough in to win that one. So, yes, I know we're panicking and we're definitely going to have the recency bias of a Providence game. At the same time, I feel like for as many that they have failed to shoot well and lose, there were just as many where they did not shoot that well, but one through defense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's kind of getting overlooked in all this. I know we just kind of panicked about this whole Providence game, like you said, but there there have been plenty of other games out there where they've locked down and were able to find ways to win. Uh, just out of curiosity, who's, who's on the other half of that little section of the bracket there? Who's the two seed? The two seed would be Merland and... Ooh. Yeah, so it would be uh, Maryland's a 2, Bowling Green's a 15, West Virginia at 7, and Northern Iowa at 10. Is it a problem that West Virginia scares me more than Maryland? <laughs> uh, is it because of Huggy Bear? <laughs> uh, y- yes. <laughs> you know what I do expect? He's like a giant dude, and he looks like he, you know, he, he could like destroy you and, and stuff like that. But he has probably one of the softest voices I've ever heard in my life. I don't know if he was just sad because uh, the game I covered, uh, it was St. John's. West Virginia and West Virginia ended up losing by a couple of points, but just the way he spoke, I thought he'd be more of an, you know, more of a presence. So he just kind of sat there as if it was like a really bad day. Talked very softly, very quietly. Could really hear him. Kind of like you're bad at the dinner table type vibe. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long day at work. Yeah, just wants <laughs> to eat his meal and go home. Doesn't yeah. want to talk. Just give him his water. Give him his nutrients. <laughs> get him out of there. <laughs> just like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know. First of all, I, I just want to worry about getting the Sweet Sixteen first. Oh, I no, do I think know. I, I you know I thought that this team could be a second weekend team. I'm still gonna believe it. I'm hoping that Arizona doesn't pull another. You know, Nico Mannion doesn't channel his Carson Edwards and destroys us if that were to be you know a potential matchup. But I I still believe that this team's a second weekend team. I know that there was a rough patch, but. I think that Jay Wright, he's going to get this team ready. He's going to get this team ready. I hope so. Now, if they get past the Sweet 16, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think at the very least they can reach Sweet 16. I right. think Elite Eight might be a little bit, you know, it might be like peak performance, like at their very best. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, I think they can make it to the second weekend. Might not be pretty, but I think they can do it. Yeah, I agree with you. And then the last question is from Matt Squarcia. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the offensive bench production. I thought Wider and Slater would be further along at this point, not to mention Antoine. I'm finding it hard to see a scenario where we get very far in either tournament without the starters getting some help. Chris, lead us off. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about this pretty much throughout the year, about how the bench is basically non-existent when you do move Justin Moore into that starting lineup. And ever since they've done that, the, uh, the bench has been pretty awful. Uh, I agree, Matt, that Swider and Slater, I thought would be a lo- much further along offensively, especially Swider. And I know I harped on it earlier, but like dude's got to start hitting shots, man. Like he's getting wide open looks too, and he's just not hitting them. Uh, there's been obviously uh, some are contested. So like, obviously I'm not expecting him to shoot a hundred percent, but like, can we get like 35%? Like he's throwing up zeros lately and that that's not all that great. Um, but with that being said, I still think they can win a good chunk of games in both tournaments without that bench production. We just mentioned with the, the NCAA tournament, we think this team can get to the sweet 16 with the starting five alone. Now, would, it, would I love to have the, the offensive bench, uh, the bench step off offensively? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I've, I've been pretty impressed with DCR these past few weeks. Uh, he's kind of got some extended minutes and actually helped out a little bit offensively, even though it hasn't light in the world on fire. He's still doing a fair amount. I think with the current construction of this team, I definitely think they can make the Big East final, heck, even win the Big East tournament and get to the Sweet 16. But I do agree that the lack of bench is definitely preventing them from putting them over the top and making us kind of say like, Oh yeah, this thing could definitely make the final four, definitely win a championship or something. They would, I would love to see the, some guys off the bench and come in and destroy everything, but it's not going to happen at this point. So it could get them through the Big East tournament and it could get to the sweet 16, but it's probably, it's definitely not going to get them over the top. Yeah. Unfortunately the offensive bench production, as we've kind of touched upon a few different times throughout the year, it's, it's really dependent on how hot of a hand Cole Swider or Justin Moore have. Obviously, Moore has now taken the starting role while Swider's playing off the bench. And Swider hasn't exactly been on these last couple of games. But when he is, that's pretty much your offensive production. Yes, DCR, he can definitely contribute on the boards. He's been scoring a little more than usual. He's also got more touches than usual and more minutes than usual. But in terms of offensive scoring, I wouldn't really look to him for that. And as for Slater, as we know, he's an athletic guy, defensive specialist, doesn't really have the greatest jump shot. 
it's just not there yet on the offensive end. I, I trust him in pretty much everything else. So unfortunately, you know, if you need a bucket, I'm not giving it to him. I'd rather give it to Swider or someone else. So, yeah, Matt, it's a little frustrating. I think that the bench is really streaky because it really, it really will depend on whether or not Cole Swider's on. When he's on, that's great because now you got maybe a dozen points if he's able to bank some threes or cash in from long range. But if he's not, as we saw in the Providence game, you really start to – you feel it. You feel that strain on the starting five. Mm-hmm. And, yes, you know, we would love to have the bench. Obviously, the bench is – that's been the championship ingredient. I still think they can get it to the second weekend, but it also, you know, it's very boom or bust on the bench, unfortunately. So, you know, when they're on, they're on, but if not, now you're just running the starters a little bit more and putting more stress on their shoulders. Completely agree with you there. And if, let's just say, God forbid, like Sadiq Bey gets into foul trouble again. I, I am with you, Matt, that I, I did think that Slater would have been a little bit more of an offensive contributor. Yes, you know, he's great on defense and this and that. He's very athletic, quick has great lateral quickness, this and that. But I thought that, you know, he would be able to score a little bit more, kind of like a young Mikael Bridges, like freshman, redshirt freshman year, Mikael Bridges, where he could at least get you some buckets. Fortunately, it's like they don't even want to go his way. And with Antoine, as we talked on Jerry Wu's question, it really looks like they're shutting him down, unfortunately. It's tough because, you know, he had that shoulder injury that set him back months. And it it was a real shame that I was misdiagnosed until he got to campus, very frustrating. I would love to know what his high school program was doing. Uh, no one, you know, bothered to check this a little further or look into it a little bit more. And it ended up being more serious than everybody thought it would be. But, yeah, this is just the current state of the bench right now. I'm sure, you know, some people I've seen the idea thrown around. Maybe you put more back because now you can get a little bit more of a consistent scoring punch. You put Swatter back out. And the starting five, it really, you know, it really doesn't matter. It just really depends on whoever that sixth man is. If he's not scoring, there's no bench production for the day, which is a shame, but that's just the way it is right now. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod. You can do so at View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. It's good for iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got so many options. Please check back at the site and check often. Follow VU Hoops on social media, like our page on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VU Hoops, and you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And I'm Chris Tanzial. I got nothing to plug. Follow Eugene, follow the pod, follow VU Hoops. Novidation, I'll be praying, I'll be hoping. I'm hoping for a big bounce back game by the Cats. Can't lose to those Pirates. Can't do it. Can't do it. We got to stick their ship. Have a good couple of days. We'll be back at it later this week. Go Cats.